Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks podcast in association with WorkHuman. It's Gavin Fox here. Uh, on this episode, we are speaking to Michelle Concannon, who is Global SVP of Engineering for Signify Health, which is opening a new operation in Galway, um, hiring about 120 to 200 people. Um, really interesting story of Michelle's career from uh, big tech in Galway over to San Fran, back to Ireland, and fundamentally back down to Galway with Signify Health. Great discussion about their journey and what Signify Health do and what they're trying to do technology-wise. Hope you enjoy. Okay, we'll start. Uh, Michelle Concannon, um, Senior Global SVP for Engineering for Signify Health. Welcome to Dublin Tech Talks. Thanks, Gav. It's great to be here. Do you want to tell us a bit about Signify Health, what they're doing and, you know, why Ireland? We'll ask that question in a while, but what's the reason you're in the business? So I guess you've introduced me as SVP of Glo- Global SVP of Technology for Signify Health, but I like to describe myself really as a purpose-driven, shall we say, global technology leader who mm-hmm. has passion for creating, I guess, diverse and inclusive culture. So for me, why am I at Signify Health? Um, Signify Health, fundamentally, their purpose is um, to create trusted relationships to make people healthier. And that's, I guess, a purpose which resonates to me, resonated to me at this stage of my yeah. mm. my career. You know, I've spent many years in different fantastic technology companies, to be fair, doing very interesting, complex things. But I think you get to that point where um, you're looking for that thing that is slightly higher purpose than maybe what you've done before. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the reason I'm at Signify. Um, what do they do? So they're primarily, U, they're US tech-enabled health services company. And effectively... Um, they have a massive network of clinicians, nurse practitioners and doctors who kind of augment, I guess, the traditional care paths in the US. We do in-home health assessments, go in and do a whole health um, checkup mm-hmm. on individuals in their home, try to catch uh, conditions ahead of them actually causing issues using our kind of proprietary data and analytics platforms. Mm-hmm. And we also provide a bunch of uh, tooling, I guess, to those providers in various different facilities to allow them to provide that care at lower cost with better quality healthcare outcomes. Mm. It was really yeah, it was really interesting. I, I had heard of the business when the, the launch and that kind of stuff, but but kind of doing a bit of research for this, it was it's a very interesting business. Like and kind of the, the even the age group at sixty five plus type age group and that it's um it, it it you forget, I think more than anything that you know, there's business. <laughs> this type of business is is massive, and even trying to preempt somebody been sick can but save that, a lot of money. But the home is a sanctuary, right, for a lot of people. And if you can access healthcare where you feel safe and 100%. comfortable, I mean, that's you know that's worth a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. all about meeting meeting the patients and meeting the members where they're at. I mean, if you think of your mm. parents, grandparents in that age category, they don't want to be going into Not a yet. healthcare facility. Mm. So anything that we can do to bring it to them avoid the trauma, but not just that. Like, it's also when we get there, if they do need to actually enter the facility, you know, using the technology to make the mm. referrals and, but doing it when it's needed and trying to facilitate it. And who, who, um, who is the customer? I know you've got various different customers, but does it flow from the clinicians into yeah, so the home or, or backwards? It's a great question. So US healthcare system, obviously yeah. it's quite complex, but yeah. Because a lot of the population that we're serving are Medicare members, so mm-hmm. CMS is the, the federal U.S. government's kind of Medicare or the over 65 healthcare program, they would be one of our big customers or one of the big payers, for want of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. We also work with some of the commercial payers in the U.S. to perform these health mm-hmm. assessments, which ultimately is all around risk capture and of trying course, to determine yeah. the health of that population. So they're another 
large customer. And then there's the actual healthcare providers themselves, because the reality is because of the complexity in the US, technologically speaking, these systems are all very disparate. They don't actually mm -hmm. have the tools that they need to be able to you know, determine which is the best specialist for me to refer this yeah. member to. Mm -hmm. um, how am I doing in terms of cost and quality outcomes and closing that feedback loop? So the providers are equally um, customers indirectly mm. um, as they exist inside of these accountable care organizations, which is a lot of uh, <laughs> acronyms. But really the big push in the US is to move toward value-based care. And mm. yeah. that's the whole concept of that is incentivizing all of the facilities and providers around the actual healthcare outcome versus just the sheer number of kind of visits, which is more of a fee-for-service yeah. um, okay. type model. So our technology is helping the transformation toward value-based care by partnering with the payers, the providers, and obviously CMS is one of the big payers. And the members are the people who obviously benefit ultimately mm. and directly. And then early detection and the offset of cost for treatment later, all that stuff is, you know, makes it commercial sense as well. Yeah, as, commercially, yeah. basically, we, we, we don't get paid. So Signify Health don't get paid on those mm. value-based care mm. constructs unless the providers and the members are ultimately doing better. So they're reducing yeah. the cost of the care. They need to reduce it to a level where they're getting these shared savings, which are the big programs that the US government roll out. And then we take some of that mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, loads. I <laughs> keep <laughs> going, but I'll stop right there. Yeah. Just your personal journey. I was quite interested. You've, you've come from big tech, like through and over to San Fran, back to Ireland and, and, and to where you are now. How's that journey been? It's been quite the journey. It's been <laughs> fascinating. It's been humbling, I guess, really, when I look back to where I started, which was honestly not knowing the first thing about computer science and throwing everything up in a heap when it came to CAO forms and picking this thing out. I lasted six um, weeks in, in computer yeah. applications doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's literally, that's literally, I mean, I was uh, I was going to do physio, music, everything except what I ended up doing, but I loved it. So I was fortunate enough that I kind of mm. hit the jackpot in terms of just landing someplace that mm. I actually enjoyed. But um, yeah, so I spent the first 13 years of my career in Galway mm. um, through contact centre, a lot of large telcos, the Nortel at the time, mm -hmm. some consulting companies, spends a lot of time in Germany, um, really on kind of, custom implementation type things with different large like Deutsche Telekom, um, T-Mobile, a lot of these yeah. big German accounts where I learned a lot about sitting in front of customers, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> I went to Nortel, got into the contact center side, a lot of kind of back-end engineering mm. there. And uh, when Cisco set up in Galway, helped with the leadership team there, which was another fantastic journey, getting some taking something from zero mm. to where it is today. Um, and relocated with them in 2013 to San Francisco, as you said. Um, that was a fascinating journey, both personally, but like from a pure technology perspective. That was when tech was, like Silicon Valley was was becoming Silicon Valley in it, 13. Like. Yeah, and it, it really was um, like formative for me, I guess, in yeah. terms of just the personal journey, but mm. being able to get right into the middle of cloud was kind of new, DevOps was kind of new, mobile first was kind of new and certainly even from you know where Cisco had been playing out its stall up to that point mm. being able to get in at the beginning of that was fantastic um, and the team I worked with there they were an acquisition that, that Cisco made as well so they I guess had been through this a little bit earlier on yeah. and the support that we got was fantastic that was three three great years out there and what, did, Was there any kind of cultural learnings around how decisions were made or problems were solved you know in an engineering environment like obviously new technologies are you know it's great to get exposure to that but was there a cultural evolution for you as well that you stuck with you or there was and actually probably that's where this began and I, we're actually looking at bringing some of that now and some mm -hmm. of those techniques in I said but 
you know, we talk about collaboration. Collaboration is a it's a word that we use a lot, but like I really got to see that um, working well in a technology team. Mm at that point in my career because we moved to not to get too into the weeds in terms of the technical context but this whole idea of feature teams like we talk about mm-hmm. agile and how do you deliver software and lots of the time we've got these kind of silos teams there's the data team the applications team we really employ to this kind of okay what is the thing that we're trying to release end to end and stood up kind of feature teams around that and from a pure collaboration perspective that was um that worked really, really well. And I got to see that first like, cross-functionally mm-hmm. so that we all got out of our little silos of yeah. um, whether it's apps or data or, or product or engineering. So I think really operating as whether you call it one signify, which is what yeah. I would refer mm-hmm. to now. Um, but that whole, how does everyone come together around the actual business goal or the objective mm-hmm. versus getting wrapped around the axelon, the thing you want to build or however you think it should look like. It's the yeah. whole is greater than the sum of the parts fundamentally. Mm, for sure. Um, and was there a big difference coming from Galway, going San Fran? Like, was it's the same company fundamentally, but was it being done differently in, uh, you, in two you, places? You're right. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, same company. Culturally speaking, at that time, this was actually more feasible because of the fact that we were moving into this more cloud-oriented yeah. DevOps model where you could create that end-to-end autonomy from a pure technological construct. And I guess I had the opportunity to get that a little bit earlier than yeah. maybe where we're getting to now in the last mm. few years here. But being exposed to that and that kind of technological underpinnings and the culture of just like, okay, we're doing a launch. It, it wasn't about the kind of structured backlog of like, here's all the things, the traditional product roadmap. It was like, here's the beta. We're going to look at the data. We're going to get something to market. We're all going to rally around this thing, get mm-hmm. it out there and then build upon it. I mean, these are all things which now seem very normal and very mm. standard. <laughs> but like uh, 10 years ago, we were a little bit more structured here in terms of, you know, you've got all of these gates, you've got your first yeah. customer ship, thou shalt not put something out there until you have every mm-hmm. I dotted and every T crossed versus yeah. this more incremental yeah. kind of agile, like the true mm-hmm. meaning of what I would perceive to be kind of agile. Yeah, I, m- I remember when we were working and suddenly project managers were calling themselves product managers and stuff like that. Right. And it was analysts just, for product. Yeah, yeah and, and it was just randomly like Correct. they changed their CV and you're like, we're not working any differently. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was just Well, you're right. It's that focus on like what is it that we're measuring? Is it the number of users? Like mm. what's the funnel? When do they fall off in this kind of customer yeah. journey? It was really everyone looking at those metrics and mm. living and breathing at versus again sitting in that one silo of I need to get yeah. this yeah. microservice done or whatever it is mm. um, yeah, I just yeah. understanding the, the why mm. yeah, I just remember that like about six months it suddenly there was this change of me- like how people talked about what they did and it was all been fed in clearly internally and it was just you know suddenly how you did your job was change pretty that, that misalignment in terms of oh the, well, engineering is agile but is the business <laughs> is the business agile correct and actually that's one that was one of the biggest learnings and something to overcome like in a company's biggest Cisco very future forward thinking mm. but it was you know you're not just talking about the technology team you're talking about yeah. all of the all of the functions around that in terms of what with histor- historically support teams the mm. historical operations function how do all of them come on this journey towards a cloud first devops mm-hmm. first kind of a mindset and you know as i've gone through microsoft and even now signify more and more of my role from a technology perspective has been in you know, working directly with the business and trying to abstract away, you know, as I say, hide the seams of the the technology (laughs) that's going on so that the teams that I'm building understand the why and understand Mm. it's that empathy and kind of stepping Mm. into the 
why of what mm. you're doing versus getting too wrapped around. Obviously, you've got to deliver good, high quality software while you're doing that. And you've you mentioned like, so, you know, that mission and purpose component, very important to me, you know, with the, my, myself, my work human colleagues, that's a lot, our main reason why a lot of us are there. Do you think people who are attracted to a mission driven business are more inclined to approach these problems in that way? Are they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, through all of the interviewing that we've been doing, even over the last six months, it's it's incredible to see how that purpose is mm. kind of resonating. Mm. And most of the people that are coming talking to us are coming for that reason. Mm. And it definitely spills over into everything that we're doing because people have that eagerness, the passion, the hunger to go mm. and figure out like the why um, partner, you know, partner with the product folks and really double mm. down on like what is the metric and going above and beyond and finding new ways, actually finding new opportunities yeah. to actually go and expand from whatever that mm. original idea or yeah. product concept was. I, I've mm. seen purpose been a lot more driving factors why people will change jobs. 100%, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, you can get a job, I'm going to say quite flippant, I know there's been a lot of layoff, pretty easy if you're in technology in Ireland. You, you can, like that's that's what it is. But where you work has just been, last two years, it's post-COVID, whichever during COVID, really important to people. And mm. what that vision and purpose is, if, if you don't know what it is in the business and you're going to interview, like that's very difficult to buy into. And yeah. if you if you have a chance to make people's lives better, you know, work, make employees, your, your recognition, any of that kind of stuff, that's something really nice to work towards. So I think companies wow. have to work better at but that. I, I think there's there's categories, right? Because in your business, it's quite obvious to see the why and the impact to people. But I think whatever it is you do, I mean, you might it might not tie back to some you know social purpose or a higher purpose, but you still need to know why. Yeah, and that that needs to be really clear in, in the conversations you have with people. It does, but and I think to your point, you're right. Like it's easy to see the correlation when you work in something like healthcare. But I think investing the time in creating a culture where yeah. people are mm. they're caring about their colleagues. Mm-hmm. Like there's a huge push around community, community, and in bringing the bringing us or technology into the community and mm-hmm. looking at driving some more purpose there, yeah. you know, whether it's mentorship with, you know, local universities, whether it's literally mm-hmm. partnerships with other local organizations. There are lots of different ways to drive purpose, but the intentionality around that is really important. And one of the things that we do a lot of is mission moments, you know, in, um, mm. well, it's a signified construct, I guess, but starting all of our all hands with like, okay, here's a mission moment where somebody went into a home, you know, to, oh, to keep mm. to keep impressing that so people can tie their work, mm. um, tie their work back to the greater. Yeah, because we said that earlier, there's a lot of people that work in dev centers here and get shipped back to the States and they never see their work ever again. They start something again for two years. Yeah, people really want that. Like yeah. when we talk about employee engagement and intrinsic motivations, and like I've seen this in all the years, like, yeah. yes, it's, yes, it's obvious in healthcare, but the thing I've heard time after time with my teams are, I want to know that I'm working on something impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what people perceive to be impactful is different for everyone. But at the end of the day, they want to see what they're doing being used yeah. to better something or somebody's life. Get to nowadays, signify health. Is, is it a tech business with a with a health function or a health business with a tech function? I would say a health business with a tech function. I mean, it's called a tech-enabled health services company. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to... In, in times like right now, that's actually a really, really good thing, right? But, um, well, one of the things that I've um, learned quickly, actually, when I moved into healthcare here, I worked at, at Optum for a few mm. years as well after coming back from the US. Um, 
you go in as a technologist with the real, oh, why can't we just do this and go and build this app or like, why, you know, why can't we be like consumers? And, and that a healthy dose of that is is really good. Mm. But the difference with working in healthcare, which is technology enabled, um, to succeed in healthcare, really, you need all of that mm. um you know, clinical SME knowledge yeah. and the foundation is in the healthcare. Mm. You bring the technology to support the different services. Um, it's not as connected as you might like it to be. Therefore, all of these things that you might have historically seen or used or think should be just logic logically like, here's my app to go mm. engage with my doctor. Yes, you can do that, but there's all of the other surrounding kind of services yeah. that aren't that necessarily intuitive. So certainly a lot of our business is, you know, we have a lot of operational teams we have a proprietary logistics platform because we recruit mm. we recruit all the clinicians mm. into our network. We have to go and do all of the scheduling to send those clinicians out into the members' home. What's the best like traveling salesman problem? Mm. How do you optimize all mm. of that? Um, and we have a lot of what we call member engagement coordinators who will literally be ringing up members to make those um, appointments. So again, there's a big operational mm. kind of function there. We have ten thousand clinicians, so we have all of the. Um, you know, the clinical expertise as well. And the tech is really to support them in going in. Like it's a human sport. Mm, yeah. You know, it's it, it's really important to have that human connection. In is, is there a disruption there on the clinician side? Is that like, would they always have been engaged in that kind of, you know, gig kind of work, but just not through a platform? Or are we pulling people out from more traditional? It's it's actually really interesting. Um For me, coming into this business, mm. you know, you, you hear about the gig economy and it's kind of weird to hear that construct in healthcare because it's mm. you know it's anything but uh, they actually really like working in this fashion in mm. terms of being able yeah. to come in and say here's the hours yeah. that I want to be available to go and conduct these health assessments mm. on, on Signify Health's behalf many of them also do work in other facilities as well yeah. but lots yeah. of them don't mm. um, so it, it's an interesting dynamic um, yeah, it's quite empowering right versus a traditional approach? Well, you know, we've all heard about clinician burnout and this mm. is a lot of what we focus on as well. Like the technology we're building, aside from those, like, you know, you choose your own hours, for the folks that don't, the mm. provider-enabled platforms that we're giving them is all about trying to, you know, pre-populate information, give you as much as you can, kind of guide you what's the next, be next best action when you get into all of the analytics and whatnot based on conditions and different things. So clinician burnout is one of the big mm issues and just understaffing, which is where someone like Signify Health comes in because we kind of augment them. In some cases, mm. they'll we talk about the we do and the you do model. So mm. in some cases, we will give them the technology to perform these services themselves directly at the point of care. In other cases, they will have us go in and do some of that on their behalf in, in mm. the home. That's interesting. So growth, Galway, new new business, you're, you're what, seven months in? Yeah. What, what's the plan for the, the Galway site? So it's very exciting. Yeah, we're seven months in. I hit my six-month milestone last week. I got a cake, which is fantastic. You we'll talk about culture. <laughs> I think so. If anyone's listening, hopefully I did. <laughs> yeah, we have our uh, Josh Builder, my CTO, and the, some of the executives team coming again next week, but we've had them out a few times. So we're at just over the 30 people mark right now. It's been a fantastic hiring kind of trajectory. Looking to get to 125 by... 2024, I think. So we'll get mm. there through 2023. Mm. We've had fantastic talent coming through the pipeline right now. We feel very blessed. Obviously, we're setting up in the west of Ireland. We're adopting kind of a hybrid scenario, yeah. but we are we are leaning toward, and so far as we can, like people that can commute mm. within that time. Because you know, we've all had this conversation around the whole going back to the office, and you know, you cannot 
um, overlook the fact that even in this early phase of growth, like we're trying to create a very strong culture. Yeah, yeah. The best way to do that is to bring people physically together because we don't have that pre, uh, yeah. that well, as we talk about, of pre-existing kind of relationships built. So uh, we do have flex built in, but we're trying to get into the office mm. like two to three days a week. Um, and we know we do have some it's, folks on remote. It's quite the norm at the moment, yeah. two, three days, the yeah. request. Yeah. I understand it. Like it's... Yeah. My business, I think, you know, a lot. It depends on what you're doing, but again, two, three days is. It's just is become a very personal decision for people. But I do, I agree. I think companies, you know, if they haven't, need to land on what's important to them from a culture perspective, and you know that that is equally as important as what people want. And you know, if, if you got a good marriage there, things work out well. Or, you know, if, if that's not what you want to do. I mean, the world is definitely changing and it's never really going back. And mm -hmm. so, you, you know, it's really important to give people the flexibility. But, um, you know, I was at an interesting conversation at a, an ITAG event in Galway last week with all of the local leaders there. And this got kind yeah. of heated and kind of interesting <laughs> in terms of like different points of view. Uh, but you can, I, I think like anything and at Microsoft, we spend quite a lot of time on this. They did a lot of research in terms mm. of like actually monitoring mm. people's activity and will continue to do so. The reality is this is one that we need to be agile on mm, mm. and iterate. But right now, at least in our growth phase, we know that like we're having our anchor days. People are coming yeah. in even while we're waiting for our new office to mm. get built out. And they've proven to be really effective mm -hmm. thus far. Yeah, um, I, I, I knew fully remote was dead when you hear companies like Microsoft releasing survey results that actually you need to be in the office to be successful. You know, you see all the big techs starting to release these things because they want people back in the office. Because it definitely seems to be a bit of a, a shift now again as the dust settles a little bit, I think. Yeah. And There's mm. only a few companies, I think, I know, was it Dropbox were fully remote? Mm. They sold all their offices and have a couple of floating ones and there isn't that many that actually committed Follies, fully to it. Yeah. No, the, it's variations, right? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. horses for courses as well, yeah. right? It, it's an interesting human experiment, mm -hmm. but I think you cannot beat connection. I mean, I just believe that fundamentally. I think, mm. I do believe that you can create and drive cultures in a remote environment. I've yeah. been a global leader for many years now. So like I have led teams for many years where I have not been able to be physically mm -hmm. present. So yeah. it's not that, like I think that's a really core part of my role as a leader as mm. well, having a geographically dispersed team. At the same time, the more human connection that you can create, yeah. that's going to drive the collaboration, the in-person, and it makes it makes the harder conversations remotely later on so much easier. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the important thing is whatever the model is, and if it's a blended model, you know, that you have a responsibility to the people in each of those channels to make sure they have a good experience. 100% correct. Like yeah. hybrid is, is harder mm. <laughs> in many yeah. times, right? Being inclusive in a hybrid environment is is really challenging no mm -hmm. matter what kind of technology that you're using because yeah. there is that in the room, out of the mm -hmm. room dynamic. Mm, yeah. So, I like hubs. I, I, I think yeah. companies that can develop m multiple talent hubs around Hub the country spoke, yeah. and then once a quarter maybe come together, come together, something like that. Yeah. Gives you, like it's, it's still difficult to find people. So, you know, if you're finding engineers in a certain place, you're going to hire them there and if you can get them into a... Yeah, a, a, 100%. I mean, the war for talent is real, right? Um, yeah. And you can't ignore that either. So, uh, it's it's a balance. Yeah, no, there's no... There's no right answer no. here. <laughs> but um, back to Galway, I know Dublin Tech Talks, but Galway's a super little um, it is. tech mm. hub. Yeah. Like mm. Rent a Runway there, Fidelity yeah. have been there years. Like there's some really big powerhouses there. That must be must have been a good selling point for... Yeah, um, I was saying before we started that my, my journey back to yeah. Galway is kind of interesting because I hadn't necessarily planned it, to be fair. 
I had set down uh, <laughs> roots uh, in Dublin, which is kind of, in the room I, I always knew that I would ultimately go back to Galway. Um, but um, I, I moved for many reasons. This, this is a fantastic opportunity for me in terms yeah. of my personal growth, mm. but and the, you know the purpose and everything that we spoke about already. But Galway as a community. To be fair, I'm only back there six months and I was just saying last mm. week to my colleague Elaine, Elaine Murphy, our site leader, in one week, you know, I was at the university on Tuesday morning with the president who held mm. like a leadership forum to see what that group wanted out of the students. Uh, the next day we had like an ITAG community event where all of, again, same similar set of folks, but we were talking about mm. future of work. You know, Galway Chamber hosted something on Friday night. We had the idea that the community in Galway is really something that is second to none. And possibly I hadn't been in, here in Dublin as mm. long. Um, but in the six years that I was here, I went right back. I, ha I haven't experienced that. Mm. And I think it's, it's, it's something to do with it being smaller as yeah. well. But there are some really, really strong technology companies there. Our neighbours, Genesis, yeah, in the same building yeah. as Bonham Key, Diligence, you know, Cisco. But that just creates, like, exactly. like Grand Canal suddenly created yeah. this environment of excellence within technology. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in larger metropolitan centres, what you find are just micro communities in that, you know, in that location. So I think it's, but your point is really valid and people are seeking out those communities. I mean, we talked to some people earlier and there's, within that entrepreneur space, there's there's a very strong community spirit yeah. as well. So, hundred percent, like mm. the meetups and like a lot of the startups in Galway that have gone on to do great things. And uh, like we had empathy gems last week, the Porter Shed environment down there. Mm. Mm. You know, there's lots of shared spaces, which is mm. what we're using right now while we're waiting for our um, our new fancy new building. Um, but Is yeah, your dad doing that one though? <laughs> <laughs> no, he needs to focus on my house. <laughs> the, the community thing was why we started. Tech Talks, it mm. was, you know, we wanted to go out and learn more about what other What's people were on? doing. Like mm. it was selfish at the time, you know, business wise. But now it's still very much, I, I'm, I'm a nosy type it's person. selfish, you're curious. Yeah. It's a platform. <laughs> it's just because I think what we found in the early days, it was like the very, very early stage companies just had no voice. Yeah. And it was just a chance to, you know, share what people were doing. So And people loved pizza. That's true. People love pizza. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I was talking to the CEO of the Porter Sheds down there, Mary Rogers, and she's organizing like a Christmas party in a few mm. weeks for all of those smaller companies yeah. who mm. they don't have all of those kind of, yeah. you know, they're scaling or whatever. Mm. But it's it's just really lovely to see. It's kind of makes you all warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's, it sounds mm. corny, but it's very, very true. It's very, yeah, yeah it's very difficult for small, <laughs> especially like our, my business focuses on zero to 100 seats type people. And they find it ridiculously hard to get talent because they're drowned out by you know bigger spends <laughs> like in essence of yeah. marketing and, and, and they're very difficult to get a voice in that space. I think coming back to the whole purpose is one thing, purpose for the actual organisation that you're going into but the other thing that is really, really important is the connection to community. Mm -hmm. you, know, you create a sense of belonging and that that is within an organisation but it's also you know how that organisation yeah. is partnering and anchoring itself in the community. Absolutely. So, won't take much more of your time, promise. All good. Your journey has been really interesting. What kind of advice would you give um, um, female technologists in looking at the journey and where they're going and how they're doing it? You know, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody maybe five, ten years into their career looking maybe next steps or leadership along those lines? Big question, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'll go with what, 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 what one mentor did for me before. Um, I think the advice I would give my younger self is like you can hear advice, but I think the reality is until you get to a certain point as well, you're less 
fearless, I think, is the term. And anything mm. that you can do to take more risks sooner is probably the best advice that I would give and just get out of your own head, basically, in yeah. terms of all the conversations you have with yourself about why you shouldn't do this or why you're not good <laughs> enough. Like, really, those are universal. I mm-hmm. know there's a lot of talk on, on gender, but I think at the end of the day, fear stops people from doing things that they don't realize that they can do. Mm. So that's kind of advice, but it's it's really try and take more risks. The other thing I would say is um, the point of my career that was pivotal before I moved to the US and um, mentor slash sponsor type uh, at Cisco took me aside and asked me to sit down and go, hey, Michelle, what do you really want to do with your career? Because we just coast. I mean, the first yeah. few years of your career, especially into the technology, you got to go deep, you got to learn your skill, you got to get yep. good at the programming. And once you've got that mastered and you're starting to figure the rest out, it's okay. What do you like doing? Mm. And really stepping back and trying to understand that. It's so much about self-awareness as much as it is anything else. What are the things that you do every day that you enjoy? What are the things that you don't like so much? And then trying to turn that into a mm. a, a path for yourself. Do you have a mentor still or a, a, a personal board, all that stuff? I love yeah, all that. I mean, I probably don't have as much as I should. I do. I have the same kind of go-to folks that I've that I've worked with for, well, worked with. I go to for all of my mm. advice and my tattoos. I think that's really, really important. And, you know, it's nearly more important even that they're in industries and mm. companies that you're not. Yeah. I mean, that's just my personal experience because the objectivity is there and um, it's interesting how much you find the commonality and outside of the d- world that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to cut across. Did you go find them purposely, the people that you went with or did they just come naturally into your web? Bit of both. Um, this individual that I'm talking about kind of came naturally into my web, yeah. which is where I start getting to the difference between mentorship and sponsorship, I suppose. Mm. Um, mentors are probably people that I would have worked with in the past, but have probably not you know, yeah. for many years. haven't, And I kind of would have gone to them, but very organically for me. It yeah. wasn't a very structured, because there have mm. been structured programs in all the organizations that <laughs> I've worked in. You know, go find your mentor. For me, I've done it more. OK, here's somebody I respect and mm. admire and I'm very comfortable leaning into and then there's the folks that come to you and you in the beginning you're kind of like wow um who am i to be getting this advice mm. but actually it's it's very powerful as well and something you know that you kind of look on retrospectively and figure out okay how do i now trying to start yeah. giving back and doing yeah. the mentorship and getting involved with the universities and just mm. you know networking programs and whatnot in our own organizations michelle concannon global svp of engineering for signify health thank you very much for your time yeah, and so for joining much, us today thanks yeah, very much talk to you. take care thanks bye David here. Thanks again, folks, for joining us. Uh, There you have it. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to whatever platform you're engaging with the content on. You can also find us on LinkedIn. Um, uh, Also check out our Meetup page because we are getting back to in-person events. So we look forward to seeing you in person at one of them or certainly uh, bring you more content and telling some more stories from the tech scene in Dublin. Thank you.